What's up, my friends? Welcome back to the What If Project podcast. Yet another episode, episode number 189. Uh, my name is Glenn, Glenn Siepert. I'm your host, and uh, it's good. It's good to see you here. I can't see you, but I sense. I sense the vibrations in the air that you are here. Uh, it's good to have you. Today, we're sitting down with my friend Anita Grace Brown who wrote a wonderful book called Kamikaze Yogi. And uh, this book explores all sorts of, what is that? Alexa, turn off the alarm. There you go. <laughs> we had Alexa on for some reason, and I guess the timer just went off. So anyway, she's quiet now. Uh, but anyway, this book explores all, this is live, live and in action, my friends. I think my daughter set that on during her rest time. She was like, not nap time, but rest time, we call it. She doesn't really sleep, but she has play time, uh, which is kind of a time, too, for mommy and daddy to, <laughs> to unwind. And so uh, I think she's had a timer because she wanted to know how many minutes she had left. And uh, she just went outside with, with my wife uh, for a little bit. So uh, anyway, the timer went off. So, yes, real life, not getting it out, is what it is. Anita's book, it's fantastic. It explores uh, yoga. It explores human connection. It explores deconstruction. It explores all sorts of different things. There's like something for everybody in this book. Like there were sections of it, parts of it. I'm like, this doesn't really do anything for me. But then there were other parts I could flip the page and be like, oh, this. But this has something, this strikes really, really deep. And so there's something for everybody. Really great book. Uh, if you're looking for something to help kind of reset, kind of refresh, uh, maybe give you a, a different look at your spiritual life and your your journey, uh, this book, I would highly, highly, highly recommend it. And we have a really good conversation uh, in this episode, so I'm excited to share it with you. Uh, my book came out last week. It's been out for almost a week. Uh, it's called Rethinking Everything. Uh, it's available on Amazon. I'll put the link in the show notes. And uh, it's 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 a story about my journey, my spiritual journey from this place of black and white thinking to the wide world of color <laughs> that I find myself in today. Uh, so it's a book for the doubters. It's a book for the people who are uncertain. It's a book for the people who used to live for the explanation points and the periods, but now they're filled with question marks and they're wondering... What happened to the faith I used to be, uh, used to, I used to hold on to so tightly? What's happening? It's unraveling. Where am I going? Uh, hopefully, this book can give you uh, a little bit of hope in that. And now my cat's gonna meow. So, why not, friends? Why not? It's just everything's happening here today. <laughs> but it's available on Amazon. I'll put the link in the show notes. Also, in the show notes, buy me a coffee, Patreon, two places to go to support the show financially. Uh, special music today. It's for my friend Young Citizen, Y-U-N-G Citizen. He's a hip-hop artist in Charlotte, North Carolina, doing great things in the world. Head over to iTunes, Spotify, download his music, check it out. He's got some fun merch up on his site as well. All the links will be in the show notes. Uh, what If Project merch, also in the show notes. Uh, the Heretic Shop, I'll put that in there too. We've got t-shirts, we got hoodies, we got all sorts of fun and exciting things. So all that to say, my friends, again, episode number 189 with my friend Anita Grace Brown. Let's roll the tape. Enjoy. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. Through sunshine and rain. 
stressing over everything, losing your brain. Fit back up yourself before you go insane. Levitate on the times that you got the rain. Times are tough, I'm being honest. We can see the light, just remain modest. Uh, can't forget, just a day reminder. Life's a little short, and take off the blinds. Be a little wiser. Build my own future, I'm the pathfinder. CMG is a team with a franchise. Uh, impacted by the worst decisions. Breaking bad habits on the repetition. What you getting to now? Gave too many chances. Stop screw now. In the bad condition, but it's not the ending. Hello friends and uh, welcome back to the podcast. Today we're sitting down with my brand new friend Anita Grace Brown who wrote a book that you should go and pick up ASAP. It's called Kamikaze Yogi and she's here to tell us all about it today. So Anita, welcome to the podcast. It's an honor to talk with you. Thanks Glenn. Good to be here. Thank you. So I read your book and uh, it gave me so many things to think about as you've seen in my morning uh, coffee thoughts on Facebook. Uh, your book has occupied a lot of my a lot of my thoughts in the wee hours of the morning before everybody uh, begins to stir, and I have a lot of questions uh, for you. But before we jump into all that, uh, maybe tell us a little bit about your yourself. You know, who are you, and what do you do? All the things about Anita. Okay, so I live in South Jersey with my mm-hmm. husband Bob. We've been together for over thirty years. And our children are college, recent college graduates. Uh, so proud of them. Mm. And I had never written anything. And I got to be in my 50s and felt this little calling begin and to trust it. Mm. And I just started writing. And after about a year of writing, I sent it to um, a woman that I had met through some other writing groups on Facebook and said, uh, you want to take a look at this? I think I have the starts of a book. And she said, no, honey, this is a just a journal entry, like a long journal entry. <laughs> she said, when you get yourself organized, you know, you can come back to me. Mm-hmm. So it was just so humbling uh, to begin to embark upon creating a book. So let me just, um, before we go into Kamikaze Yogi, I'll just say a little bit more about my current life. I am graduating from life coaching, a course that I started in August, uh, in about two weeks. So I'm super excited about that because that's a really practical way to just be engaged with people every day and helping them find fullness of life. Yeah. Um, so that's new for me too. So it feels like fifties, my fifties are like the decade to just keep <laughs> saying yes right. to whatever life wants to bring my way and just be bold and jump on it. You're just getting started. Exactly. That's how right? it feels. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, the whole book thing is, it's interesting because I'm working on a book myself and uh, it's going to be self-published, but it's it's hard. Like you, you have all these ideas in your head, and I, and I, you know what this is like. You have all these ideas, and you just want to spit them out. And you can spit them out, like you said, in like a journal entry, and it makes sense to you. But when somebody else reads it, they're like, "What? What is this?" <laughs> Right. <laughs> the most pivotal moment. Um, so I did get back to work. I spent another year drafting mm-hmm. the book, yeah. and yeah. when my editor really spent the weeks you know, doing her job with it. At one point she said to me, okay, here's a draft back to you. I made a lot of changes. She said, you're either going to really love me or you're really going to hate me. She said, bottom line is I made you really ordinary. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay. So I read it and I was like, this is 
the greatest gift I have ever received because that first draft was just way too spiritual. It was like the soul longings and she was able to reach into what I was describing and ask me really good questions and just like narrow it down to, and, and the book is not simple. I mean, it's not like it became like, you know, I don't know what it just is. It, to me, it's that in between it's still spiritual, yeah, but yeah. I hope it's really practical. Yeah. I mean, there's sections where I had to read a couple of times because it wasn't, it wasn't that it was difficult to read. It was just that the idea that you were trying to convey was something I had never really thought about before. And because I never thought about it, it felt so much deeper than it probably was just because it was very fresh to me. So I think you, there's certain parts of it where like certain things I was really familiar with some of the spiritual stuff, but there were other things like, Ooh, like especially the yoga stuff. I was like, I, mm-hmm. you know, that, we'll talk about that in a minute, but you know, yeah. I had never really gone down that road. And so that made me think about a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So the book Kamikaze Yogi, uh, maybe give us the, the elevator pitch of the book, you know, who is it for? Uh, if people who are listening going to pick it up, like what can they expect? So the subtitle is Christ yoga and the courage to emerge. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll go back to when I was in my late thirties and the kids were getting a little bit bigger and I had some time to explore yoga at the local studios. And I would leave feeling like a new woman. It was like after an hour, I just couldn't believe uh, I had a teacher back then who liked to say, I hope you leave here and you feel like three things happened. You went to therapy, you went to church and you went to the gym. And so (laughs) I did that described it. So it was so magical. And then the Christian journey began to like seep into that magical feeling like my darkness, my sin, my um, not being the woman God created me to be those awarenesses on my yoga mat would just show me the um, ways I was neglecting growing and letting go of old stories and evolving and trusting Jesus, you know, with who I really am. And just, um, it's very challenging. It's very confronting. That's amazing and hard. So I wanted to bring some yoga practices into the book that are really basic and really, um, anybody can try them just to be mindful, just to have people breathe and realize you're probably only using part of your brain. You know, we have those repetitive thoughts day in and day out and your brain includes your nervous system, which is your spinal cord. I mean, we know these things, right? We know how we're made. And yet throughout the day, we're just on autopilot. Hmm. So I hope the practices begin to enliven the parts of the brain and the nervous system people where they're like, okay, that's where I'm, that's where I'm playing small, yeah. raise these awarenesses so that you can align with your faith with, sure. you know, what God has in store for you. Hmm. And what does the uh, kamikaze part have to do with the book? Where did that, where did the title come from? That is a really interesting story. So (laughs) years before I wrote word one for the book, Mm -hmm. I heard in my spirit, you're going to write a book and it's going to be called Kamikaze Yogi, (laughs) like literally two years before. And I remember that moment sharing that exciting word from God with my husband and him hating it and saying, (laughs) no one is going to like that title. That's awful. 
it's a suicide pilot, you know, suicide mission. Yeah. And I said, I know what it is. I don't really know why it's going to be called that yet, but I do trust it. Mm. And then as you read the chapter called Kamikaze Kyle, our godson uh, passed away of a brain tumor. And in the weeks leading up to his passing, he couldn't speak any longer. Mm. And he was showing me uh, a picture on his phone of a kamikaze pilot that he was going to get a tattoo of. And I just began to pray over this connection he and I had. And I really felt that he was showing me, I know who I am in Christ. You know, I can't verbalize it, but I know this body is dying. And it's, you know, the picture of the kamikaze pilot, like this um, skull, I know this will die. And I know that I am spirit, soul, consciousness. Like that was the message I was getting from him. Mm -hmm. Just as we texted back and forth, like, wow, Kyle, that's an amazing tattoo that you're getting. That's the name of my book. I don't think you knew that. And, <laughs> and he really couldn't write much back except yeah. heart, heart. He would just send these emoji hearts. Mm -hmm. And I just would cry and just be like, what is going on, God? Like he and I just have this amazing connection that you want to encourage me with mm. this title. So what does it mean? It means that we're each carrying our cross to a certain extent. We have to be a part of the world's suffering and the world's healing. And if we're not each doing our part, I think we feel like children in grown-up bodies, Yeah. right? We're kind of missing out on a big piece of uh, what it means that uh, in our ancestry, our Jewish uh, brothers and sisters, tikkun olam, you know, the repair of the world. So I think that that kind of summarizes how we're asked, we're asked to be pretty brave. Yeah. And I love that story of the, of the tattoo, because I think you had a free, I can't remember it. I might have it wrong and you can correct me if I am wrong, but I think you said something in the book about how like the tattoo was almost like him saying to you, him saying to the world, him saying to himself that like he is confidently flying into yes. eternity or something like that because it's yes. his, his body here might be over, but his life is really just beginning. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And that's, so. that's so thank you for summarizing it that way. Cause yeah. right yeah. now with a global pandemic, everyone knows someone Yep. who is sick or has died. Mm -hmm. And we normally here in the West, especially we're such a young country. I feel like we don't know how to deal with grief. Yeah. I feel like when you travel other parts of the world, you recognize they really are more mature in many ways. And that's the, that's the idea of East meets West too. Yeah. Like what can we learn from other people? Mm. Yeah, it's really good. And the whole East and West thing, like that's a theme throughout the course of the book. And that struck me hard because I, I recently had someone on the podcast. He was a professor of mine in uh, college. He was my philosophy professor. And he wrote a book called Jesus and the Bicameral Brain. And bicameral refers to the idea that there's two chambers of the brain, the left and the right, and how we tend to live in the West from the left side, which is all about, you know, analyzing and thinking and things like that. And there's the right side, which is all about moving beyond language. And so when your book kind of touched on that, it really made me think a lot about that book and just the idea that, you know, obviously left brain is important. You know, we don't want it to throw it away, but we also just don't want to leave the right brain dormant and being like, oh, that's just kid stuff over there. We have to really be adults and all of our things. We can bring those two things together 
we can live our lives, we can live our faith from, from that place. I think that was really a remarkable part of your book. I'm glad you brought that in because the word yoga means to yoke. So you're yoking all your parts when you practice. And there isn't anything for anyone to be afraid of with the practice. It's just going to ask of you to trust Jesus with your parts, right? With yeah. your shadow, with your inner child, with the parts that, like you said, on a day-to-day basis in your logical mind, you're really not that connected with. Yeah. And you're going to, like I had said early on, how I would become aware of the ways that I was not proud of. And that's where the healing and the grace come in. So there are a few themes in the book that I want to talk to you about. Um, and I don't know if we're going to get through all of them. So like I said, before we hit record, we might have to do like a series. We'll do the, the Kamikaze Yogi <laughs> series. <laughs> but I want to talk to you about yoga. I want to talk to you about uh, deconstruction. We could talk about that in your book. And I want to talk a little bit about inner child work. Uh, three really big topics that we've talked about on this podcast before, but uh, you do it in a very creative way. So I'm, I'm interested to get your, uh, your, your thoughts outside of the book. I want to hear it directly from, <laughs> directly from you. Thank you. Uh, but yeah, for sure. So let's start with yoga um, because that's pretty much in the title of the, of the book. And for me, and like a lot of our listeners, I grew up in a very conservative uh, evangelical world where things like yoga, you know, were seen as, you know, entry points for demonic activity in my life. And the idea was that if we engage in things like yoga, we watch certain horror movies, we interact with astrology, things like that, we kind of open ourselves up to this place where a demon or the darkness can kind of come in and take hold of us. And now I think like a lot of, I'm still wrestling through kind of where all of that fits in my life because it was a very big part of my, of my past. But I think a lot of those things now are like very, very ridiculous <laughs> for lack of a better word, just kind of in the place I'm at now. But the thought really still lingers in my mind. And so I guess my, my first question would be, um, how do you respond to church people who, who have that, that idea of yoga, that it's this evil, like demonic thing. And then added to that, like, what, what is yoga? You talked a little bit about it already, but maybe take us a little bit deeper. Like what is yoga? What's the point of yoga? Why is yoga important? Um, why are you so passionate about it? Is it something anybody can get involved with? Is it something for a specific type of person, a specific part of life? Like maybe for those of us who this is a foreign idea, take us into it a little bit, a little bit more. <laughs> I love your questions. And I love that since the book came out, I get to continue to process who yoga is for, mm. because I have a mentor, a woman a little bit older than me, mm -hmm. who loves me very much and encouraged everything in the book. And she just will always say yoga is not for me. And of course, I'm not here to force anything on anyone. <laughs> so it reminds me of watching this TikTok a few months ago, and this woman was into numerology, and it was truly her gift. And I had this thought, I want to be into numerology. I want to, I want that to be my gift. It was just this strange thought. And so I booked a session with her paid like a hundred dollars. And then when the time came, I prayed about it and it was like, God came and just shut the door and was like, that's not for you. Mm. So not everything in the spiritual realm or these gifts are for everyone. Yeah. It's a real realm, right? Yeah, like we yeah. don't. So I want to respect that if someone says yoga is not for me, that's fine. Just ask God to show you what movements and what breathing practices 
are good for your brain and body. Maybe it's a different, uh, maybe it's Tai Chi. May, I don't know, right? Maybe none of them, but you're becoming aware of why you think it's not for you. Yeah. And, and, and face the fear, face mm. the stories. Who told you? Where did you hear this? Try to make a friend who does yoga or maybe make a friend of another religion who can teach you firsthand about yoga's origins and about how they learned to become more loving and conscious and heart-centered, right? So to me, it's every faith tradition has beautiful aspects that like, you know, Buddhism, uh, these ways to feel centered and grounded and loving. These are all good things that Christians should be honest about. Those are good things, right? We want to call what's good, good and of God and, and be able to know that we're discerning people, right? Mm. So things like yoga and astrology, I don't judge women that I come across who are into astrology. If God has called them to that, that's their path. And I basically, that's what I want people to say, read my book and determine for yourself what you think about it. But don't just say, oh, I was told like this secondhand information, right? right. Decide for yourself mm. and do the reading, do the research. The science is on the side of your nervous system, mm. is on the side of, like you said, the two sides of the brain, being a whole human who's bold and brave in your faith. That's what the world needs. Yeah. We don't need people to walk around saying, well, that's what I was told. Right. So right. <laughs> that right. doesn't carry any weight with me. Right. So-and-so told me that they heard from so-and-so. <laughs> exactly. Like this yeah. whisper down the lane. No, it's too fearful. It's not rooted in anything yeah. in reality in 2021. Yeah. That's, that's huge. And I think I think it's Paul. I think he said somewhere, I forget what letter it was in, but he said something along the lines of everything is permissible, but not everything is permissible for me or something like that. And I think that's key. Yeah. You know, I think everything is on the table, but there might be a check in your spirit as to something just not for you. Maybe it's not for you right now. Maybe it'll be right. for you later. Maybe it's not for you ever. Maybe that's just that's what right. the spirit doesn't want for your life. But I think, like you said, you know, we can't just take for granted that this is what it is because it's what we heard is what we were taught in school or whatever it is. I think we need to really go and explore for ourselves to see what it's, what it's all about. Yeah, yeah. I think so. So how would you, what would you say then to maybe somebody who maybe they, they read, they read your book and they want to, they want to try to get into yoga a little bit. Like what are, what are some like beginning things that somebody can do? Cause I told my wife last night that I was going to be talking to you and she's like, I always wanted to try yoga I'm like yeah i kind of did too i don't even know what to, i don't know what to start you know like what what are your thoughts about that like where does somebody begin glenn did you have a chance to try any of my podcast episodes i have not so there was a season before i wrote the book where i had a lot of creative energy coming through and i made a hundred episodes it's called it's five o'clock somewhere and they are that's a great title. <laughs> yeah, thank you. It, 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 it comes at you a couple of different ways. It's five o'clock. You can go relax and have your drink or you could do some yoga right. and then decide if you're going to have your drink. Right. <laughs> right. Um, and then also uh, the parable of the uh, workers coming off the fields at five o'clock and mm. the landowner giving them each the same pay, mm. whether you worked one minute 
or you worked eight hours. So that's the grace of the God that I know. Um, you just open to receive and, and you really get blessed. Yeah. Um, so I love that play on the words, but to me, the, the practices that I put into the world during that season really were Holy spirit inspired. Hmm. I would just walk in the park and start recording on my phone and, um, trust that people could just listen to my voice and breathe and look around them and get present and just begin to stretch and do some postures, simple postures like tree and mountain and warrior things that you've probably seen out there. And that as you're listening to me instruct you do this with your arm, do this with your leg, just try it. It's, it's not about like this perfection. There's a thousand different types of yoga classes that you could go try as unique as the teacher. Yeah. Uh, but those podcast episodes are from a woman who identifies as a Christian. Mm -hmm. And so I did um, create those for anybody of any age, unless it's, uh, I think out of the hundred, there might be five that say, this is a little bit more advanced, okay. all the rest, basically anyone can do. And I, I think I'm up to 25,000 downloads. It, wow. It's really that's making great. a difference in the world. Yeah. It's a really cool thing that I created and I don't do that anymore. Kind of like that season has passed and now I'm, you know, doing other things. Sure. Yeah. I think that, I think it's huge what you said about, you know, not worrying about doing it right or, you know, what you might look like if you're doing it wrong, because that's, I think that's the left brain starts to like freak out when it's like, I have to, I have to know what I'm doing. I have to have it all figured out yes. before I dive into it. But I think, like you said, it's something that's so so different for so many people. You just have to kind of dive in and do it and just see where it takes you. And you might do it a few times, like you said before, and it might, eh, this doesn't do anything for me. You move on and do something else. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah follow the life, follow the, um, yeah. what feels enchanting. That's right. That's good. Yeah. This reminds me too of, um, have you ever read Barbara Brown Taylor's book, Holy Envy? Not that one now. No. Yeah. So she wrote a book called Holy Envy where she talks about, and I've talked about this on the show before she was on the show actually talk about it, but she was a, a college professor for a world religions class. And she came out of being an Episcopal priest and she goes into this world now of college students and she has to take them through the world's religion when she's most familiar with Christianity. So she's like, I really had to do my homework on Buddhism and Islam and Judaism, all these things. I went to visit all these temples and all this stuff. And she's like, I started to like fall in love with different practices from other religions. I had like a holy envy for these different things, but should I you know, I didn't want to treat it like a buffet, like, oh, I like this over here, like this over here. But I felt that I felt drawn to these different practices, like in Buddhism with meditation and things like that. And, um, you know, different things in Judaism, Islam, but should I always came home to Jesus at night? And it's like, I just kind of adopted some of these things into my life and they didn't convert me to be Buddhist, but they made me a better Christian, a better follower of Christ. I think that's I actually primarily do what know that at. story. Yeah, yeah I've okay, heard yeah. that. It was probably in an essay form somewhere. Probably. And I definitely resonated with that. Yeah. And um, again, just knowing that we are beloved, safe children of our creator. And yeah. he wants us to explore and, and have discerning spirits while we do it. That's right. That's good. Um, second topic, deconstruction. Uh, you mentioned this a handful of times in the book and every time you did my radar went up because that's something I'm always thinking about a big topic we address on the podcast, but, um, thus far in your life, I'm curious, like what, what have you found yourself deconstructing from 
and what have you found yourself reconstructing um, into? Because for me, you know, as I've said already, it was a very evangelical mindset. I fourth through 12th grade, I went to a private Christian school, Bible college, seminary, pastor churches, all the things. So I really had to deconstruct out of that evangelical theology, um, evangelical politics, you know, because there's that, that whole thing as well, a really evangelical everything. And, you know, into a more, I would say a forward thinking, maybe kind of thought process for my life and, and for my faith. So I'm, I'm curious, like, what has this process been like for you? Maybe wade us into those waters, a little bit of deconstruction in your life. So it's funny that um, the couple of times that you read that in the book, I, I don't really see myself as having had to deconstruct from much because I don't have any of that history. Like I'm in that world with all of you. So I feel right. like you're all my friends and I right. get it. You're in the boat with us. <laughs> I am, but that's not my background at yeah. all. Yeah. So yeah. it's almost like I did have to deconstruct because I am in the world mm -hmm. and in the religion and the things that are false and harmful and constricting and against evolution. So just because, right, we're all like in that together, but it's yeah. not because that was my actual background. Yeah. I think it's just part of, you know, just being a human um, who identifies as a Christian mm -hmm. and as a woman, I would say deconstructing from like internalized misogyny, mm -hmm. the ways that I didn't love my body and the ways that I didn't honor my story and stand up for myself mm -hmm. and really just like find my voice, allow myself to be a free woman. And that's just huge. Yeah. So deconstructing, I think it's, it's a human journey, sure. you know, right? Like not just the Christians. Yeah. And that's what I really wanted to bring out in this part of the conversation, because I think you, you magnify that in your book a lot, because a lot of times, like we assume deconstruction is such a buzzword these days. And especially when it comes to faith, because there's so many people in the evangelical world who are waking up and saying, oh, like, this isn't the only way you know, to live. This is the only way to believe like, there's other ways out there. Like I had no idea, you know, so kind of going out and discovering all this stuff. And that seems to be where, you know, there's books about it, obviously about why it's good, why it's bad. So that seems to be like where everybody thinks deconstruction goes, but to your point, it's a life journey and you can deconstruct from so many things. I think that when you encounter the Christ, you, 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 you deconstruct, you have no choice, but to deconstruct, like something is going to deconstruct in your life, whether it's your, your faith, whether it's like you said about you know, your womanhood, whatever it is, like something is going to come apart because yes. and Christ is going to help you put something back together. Yes. Again. Yeah. So yeah. I love what you just said there. And then that made me think to tell people more about how the yoga helps you learn to let go. So when you think about how you're stretching, how you are breathing, you're creating space like yeah. that busy monkey mind up there, you're beginning to slow it down you're beginning to be more mindful of why do you have these thoughts? When do I have these certain thoughts? Um, what thoughts are really driving the ways that I'm showing up in the world or, you know, in certain spaces. So this learning to let go is huge. Yeah. I just want to give people through journaling, 
through stretching, through time and nature, all the soul practices that we all know, but are we doing them? Mm -hmm. I think they are spaces to daily let go of what is not for us, what is not helpful. Yeah, that's really good. And when we deconstruct, whatever it is, you know, it's going to also create some waves, right? I mean, in our lives, um, in our relationships, and you have this one quote, I wanted to read it really quick. I have it in front of me. It's on page 169. It's a quote from Viktor Frankl. And you say, he says, uh, where is it? For what is to give light must endure burning. And that really, that, that had me thinking, I'm still thinking about that, because I never heard that quote before. Um, and I don't even remember exactly the context in which it fell, but for me, it really fell into this conversation about deconstruction, because, you know, I think that people will, there's a sense where people like outcast the person who they fear, and they fear them, in my experience, because of that individuality, that sense of courage that they have. And I can think of no better way to sum up the heartache that I've experienced in deconstruction. A lot of our listeners who reached out to me have experienced, like for me, there are so many relationships that they're, they're just not repairable at this point in, in from my former tribe. And it stems from primarily being feared that I found this sense of individuality. Like so many people said, you found your voice. Like where did this voice come from and this sense of courage to kind of step up and to really explore beyond the boundaries that have been set up for me. And I think that people, people fear that. And I think that once you find that, that thing, that's, that's burning, once, well, once you find that light, it's going to burn and the burning causes pain and the burning causes things to wear down a little bit as well. So I think all that's that, that just opened up like this huge doorway of thoughts for me. Um, so I wanted to thank you for that, but does that make sense? My, my oh my on. gosh, yeah. yes. <laughs> so everything you just said is so beautiful and so universally true. Mm. And that makes me think what I was thinking as I was getting ready for our talk, I just kept thinking about the cross mm. and how the image asks us to hold the tensions of two realities, right? Heaven and earth, um, darkness and light. And so in hold Christ inside of us, already holds it together, but are we allowing him to do that in us? Mm -hmm. And like you said, and then it comes with pain and then it comes with broken relationships and that's all biblical. It's all in there, right? Nothing is wrong. This is the path. And yet how can you love your enemy, right? How can you break with those people and still find it in your heart? be mindful, notice your thoughts towards them and, and give it to God and talk to God about it and be honest with yourself. Cause there have been seasons where there's big FUs in my heart. I don't know (laughs) where they're in my body, right? They're they're in there somewhere and I have to deal with them. Yeah. That's really good. I think one of the things I've learned in the last year, I can remember it was about a year ago. It was in the middle is probably the summer of the pandemic. So summer of 2020, like I was just we're home quarantine is thinking about like, there's a lot of different things. And I was wrestling with just a lot of those broken relationships, a lot of the FUs that I feel inside. And, you know, I was really wrestling with like, how, how do I love these people? Like, I feel like I want to love them, but I feel like I don't know how. And I was just, I was journaling a lot and I felt like the spirit said to me, you can, you can love somebody to the extent where you welcome them to the table but you can also choose to sit at the other end of the table. It doesn't mean you don't want them to have a spot. You want them there. You want the best for them, 
but you don't need to subject yourself to sitting next to them on a regular basis. That really helped me, I think, just create a, a word picture in my head, just of being able to say, I can love that person, want the best for them, but I don't have to have them be part of my, of my life. Yeah. There's so much wisdom there. And what came to mind as you were talking is the wisdom of my physical body and my nervous system. Mm -hmm. So if I don't feel completely safe with someone, that doesn't mean they're a bad person, That's right. but they're triggering something in me. And guess yeah. who's responsible for that trigger? Me. That's right. I have to yeah. figure out why I am triggered. Yeah. But unfortunately, back to like the beginning of the conversation, you look around the world, there's children and grown up bodies. They're just pointing their figures, fingers. You're all the problem. You all piss me off. You all trigger me. No, yeah. work with your own nervous system and figure out why you're so uncomfortable. Yeah, that's really good. So that's actually a perfect segue into the inner child conversation. Um, I recently had uh, Nate Polstoweight. Have you ever heard of him? I He's sure big, have. Yeah. So he was on the, on the podcast uh, a couple of weeks ago. And uh, actually that episode will be releasing after years. I don't know. I don't really know when it's going to release, but it's there. It's recorded. Yeah. I have him on the show, but uh, he's one of the experts in child work and inner child work. And uh, I've also talked to a lot of uh, Alexander Shia. You obviously know him. Um, yes. He's been a huge, huge help for me. Um, huge help. I can't even begin to describe what he's. Oh, I love me with. hearing that. Yeah. In terms of like inner child stuff, but it's a big topic. So maybe help us wade into these waters a little bit. You've kind of touched on it, but what is, what exactly is inner child work? Like why, why is it important? Who is this person living inside of us? Like I've been told <laughs> in my past, that's a demon, <laughs> you know, but obviously <laughs> it's not a demon. <laughs> so you right. know, what, what is, what is this and why is it important? So let's start with the posture of, um, child's pose, right? Can you picture it on your yeah. knees? Yeah. Curled in on yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I would recommend you and everybody listening to take child's pose and mm. breathe there mm. and just see what you become aware of in making that little shape. And we don't like to feel little and vulnerable. Yeah. But we have um, every part of us that we have ever been mm. is still in there where did they go? Right there, there, they didn't go anywhere. Yeah. So most of it goes into our subconscious mind and in our memories that we don't really, we're not conscious of, mm -hmm. but if we're really present to life and we're present to the ways that we feel unsafe or vulnerable, I would say that that is a very young part of us asking us to show up in a new way and pay very close attention. And in my personal experience and what I basically see people doing is self-abandonment. You just despise and cut off and, and hate being vulnerable, feeling small, feeling helpless. And so when we disavow, we're really doing harm to parts of us that are in Christ yeah. and look at our suffering servant, right? Mm -hmm. He's showing us how, to look at the suffering self. Yeah. He's showing us all we have to do is gaze and remember that um, it's hard work, uh, but it's very beautiful in order to arrive at wholeness. Yeah, that's so that's so beautiful because I, I, I told this story to Nate and I've told this to Alexander. I've said it 
in other places, but like going to, to seminary and preparing to be a pastor, there was this sense where you needed to be strong, you needed to be outgoing, um, you need to be confident, you need to be courageous. And so when I got into seminary, and even today I, I, I wrestle with this, I often felt none of that. And there was always, there was always this voice in my head that said, you know, you're, you're not good enough. Um, you know, nobody's ever going to want to listen to you. Um, you know, you don't know what you're talking about. You're stupid, like on and on and on. Just this real lack of any of that stuff that was expected of me to come out of seminary and go graduate and go pastor church. And so in seminary, like we took a lot of classes about the demonic world and things like that. And I was told from really day one in college and Bible college that those voices inside are, are demons and that they mm, need to be bound. So sad. Oh yeah, my they need word. to be bound and need to be, to be cast out. And so I literally went through what we call it exorcisms or whatever it is, prayer sessions, whatever. And, you know, there's very little screaming and yelling once in a while, people would raise their voice, but it was really just praying for this voice to come out. And so I graduated seminary, I've got my doctorate and this thing is like still in there. And I remember I said to Alexander, I'm like, all my life, this is what I've been told. Like, what is this? And Alexander said, what if, you know, you, you have a podcast, the what if project. So what if that's not a demon, but what if that's like your inner child? And what if every time you feel that that voice rise up if it's not an accusation where they you know you're being accused of something but it's your inner child asking for help and like what if every time you try to cast him out you're doing to him what was done to him as a child over and over and over again i was like you're blowing my mind alexander so he said why don't you he said what would you do to your daughter jordan if she came home and said daddy i'm stupid so and so said i'm dumb what would you do so i would take her on my knee and I would tell her the truth of who she is. He goes, that's what you need to do to your inner child over and over and over. You need to befriend that voice, not try to cast it out. And that has been remarkable for me. Like I still have my days where that voice comes up and says the things, but now I feel like I have tools where I can steady myself. I can breathe. I can do a little bit of meditation, try to really interact with that voice inside. And I feel like more often than not, whatever the situation is in front of us, we're able to get through it together was in the past that was not the case look at you at 39 years old and all the work that you have already done <laughs> that's amazing thank you yeah thank you I, I owe it to people like like him because i, I was just uh we had i mean in seminary we talked about inner child stuff but it was more along the lines of you have to help the inner child grow up again it was the inner child's not good enough because the child's still there so you have to make the child grow up to be the adult he is and Again, Alexander emphasized that the child's always going to be a child, but you're parenting that child. You're helping that child become all that the child should have been able to come way back when had the, the stars aligned, everything was perfect. And I think like having that mentality that, that that child's always going to be inside and just teaching that child how to be a child is, is key. Mm. Yeah, it's changed everything for me. I love that. And it just makes me think that that's what the world needs, right? Mm -hmm. People, you know how you can't always see yourself the way that your people see you. So yep. it's beautiful when somebody reflects to you the way that they see you. And I feel like people often say to me, um, yeah, like the way your, your spirit is very childlike, very mm -hmm. innocent, very open, very trusting. I can be very vulnerable. I mean, during the years when I was 
starting to write the book. And I would have people say to me, I don't understand how you're so honest about your struggles and your, you know, um, all, all the things I write in the book, not in detail, because I didn't want it to be a voyeurism, like, oh, Anita does the tell-all. No, I would always hear very clearly, that is not the energy that you're going for. Um, but I do hint at my personal struggles and my personal ways that I've been abused. Um, but at the end of the day, it's about empowering and empowering comes through facing vulnerability. Mm -hmm. So what you reminded me of when I go to the gym sometimes and I find really weak muscles, sometimes I'll hear that old voice. It's just the glimmer of hating the weakness and wishing I were different because I'm 56 now. Mm -hmm. I'm not getting any younger, <laughs> but I can immediately switch it and say, look at you, you're at the gym, you're doing it, right. you're doing the best you can. Yeah. It's beautiful, it's powerful. And no, it's not perfect. And you're not like, you know, yeah. whatever that's goal, you know, starts to challenge me, are you doing enough? And it's like, that's a stupid thing to think. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Because I mean, I always just had this feeling as a kid that like I had to, everything had to be perfect. You know, everything had to be in line. Like I remember my, my father wrote this thing in my notebook, my binder, and it said, work your plan and plan your work and work your plan. And, you know, basically the idea was I wasn't a very good student. And so I had some organizational issues and stuff like that. So that was his way of trying to help me. And although it was great in his mind, I think it was taken to the extreme in mind that if I fail, it's because I didn't make a plan or because I did make a plan, but I didn't work the plan. So either way, it's my fault. It's a lose-a-lose situation. So just always trying to be, have everything so perfect and everything so lined up. And like once I just realized the connection of all those different things to that inner child that's still alive and well, uh, yeah, like I said, it just, it just changes things. I think I can't, yeah, the more I can't recommend it enough for our listeners to just get involved in this in whatever way you can. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to, I want to see that. I want to claim that. I want to see that in the world. People's inner child showing up playful joyful curious right yeah it's so beautiful yeah absolutely and i have i mean it's just even like engaging in things that bring that child alive like i always growing up i played video games like that was just what i did and like i put them away for the longest time because i had other things to do more important things to do you know and then when my wife and i had our 10-year wedding anniversary in 2020 and she bought me like a brand new nintendo uh switch the handheld thing and uh, one of my favorite games from when I was a kid. And like, I've been playing that thing like all the time in the last year. And like, it just made me so happy, you know, yeah. so it, just, it just brought something alive inside that I had stuffed away for a long time. That's yeah. great. Yeah. Well, Hey, we're just about out of time. Um, this has been a lot of fun. I feel like we've barely scratched the surface. So we'll definitely have to have you back on again. I would like to do that, but uh, before you go, where can people find you and connect with you uh, and your work online? Yeah, I loved every minute of it. Um, Thank you. So on Facebook and Instagram, just with my name, Anita Grace Brown, mm -hmm. but with my life coaching, I'm beginning to put together a new website called Groovology. I am calling myself the Groovologist. Nice. So uh, I think that's kind of fun, like helping people find their groove, dance with life. But for now, uh, yeah, just Facebook and Instagram. And then, you know, again, the title of the book, Kamikaze Yogi. And I, I look forward to hearing from people. 
That's awesome. You're like the title queen. You have great titles for all of your stuff. <laughs> your old podcast, you. your book, <laughs> Groovology. My editor, she called me one time a word womb, like a woman's womb. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah, I kind of feel like a word womb. <laughs> if I have trouble naming any titles for anything, I'm going to contact yeah, you. Come, come to me. <laughs> Give me a name. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, thank you so much. This has been a lot of fun and I'll be in touch and we'll do it again soon. Okay. Thanks again. All right. I have more days, you know how I go. New routine, always on the ball. Ducks in the road, levitating. Even regulating in my headspace. Meditating, just to keep me sane. Ain't no hesitation, oh yeah. Spin around the world, glad to be alive. Most of my bros couldn't even make it past 25. Maybe it'd be smart to be more cautious. Focus on the wins than the losses. Going crazy trying to figure out the causes. Think we smarter than the average like we flawless. So focused, determined, I found my conscience Unsolved, unlocked it, just turned to false I was taught to have no fear inside Making sure I'm standing tall and I'm on the front line We about to go to war, I'ma put up a fight I'ma be about mine, just protecting my life yeah. They know how to act Women two steps ahead And that's a known fact Please believe I knew from day one That we both attract Eating sushi, you paying the first day Looked into your eyes I knew this my soulmate Treat me like a king Make sure that I don't skate You're the queen, take the throne Make sure that we all straight Talk for hours till the sun come up And you caught on to my tricks So I ran out of luck I'ma be right by your side Like a sign on the truck Always gonna be your protection and you won't have to duck, yeah. Years later, decided to tie the knot. It's all about levels, we made it up to the top. On the platform, get ready, we taking off. We under one name, it's written up in the law. Oh, oh.